folk. Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we got to talk about Arch Manning, who has the first of three official visits in the month of June, and what that means, and really, which is the best fit for him. Very excited about this. We're also going to continue our series, New Faces in New Places, and I'm going to take a look. Who's going to have a better year one? Brian Kelly at LSU or Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame? And then, yes, of course, we have to talk about the big noon schedule that dropped late last week. Very excited about this. And I really picked out some games that I thought that everybody would be excited about, but not the least of which is me. So let us start first, though, with recruiting, right? 2023 cycle, that's what we're into right now as the 2022 kiddos are on campus, if not already. I mean, we're talking about the early enrollees already having a semester in, talking about the true freshmen joining up in the summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we've already settled on who the best player is in the 2023 class. And you'll probably know it is one Arch Manning. Now, yes, Arch Manning is the nephew of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks both Eli and Peyton his father is Cupper and his granddaddy for whom he gets his name is Archie Manning this is the first family of football now as if that wasn't enough he's also a generational talent and this I kind of want to lay out for you this is why we are going to talk about Arch this week the next week and the following week but we're going to focus a little bit on Georgia this week as he is expected to take his official this weekend over there so why Arch Manning? Because he's a generational talent. And we have been hashtag blessed with generationally talented quarterbacks over the last five years. I want to say this is a wild run. Because all you got to do is take it back to 2018 when we were having a really good and raucous dialogue about who was the best quarterback in that class, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Now, Trevor Lawrence went and became the first true freshman to lead his team to a national championship since 1985. Hey, all hail Jamel Holloway at Oklahoma. Thank you very much, Coach Switzer. But also, 15-0 in 2018. And yes, ends up going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, where I expect him to have a great NFL career. But to round that point out, find an Ohio State fan that's upset with Justin Fields and how he performed for them in Columbus, a proud fan base, and one that expects quite a bit from its football players. 2019, we had Spencer Rattler. We've had Bo Nix. 2020, we had Jackson Dart, National Gatorade Player of the Year, coming out of Draper, Utah. Corner Canyon stand up. The second of three outstanding quarterbacks. First is Zach Wilson. Of course, Devin Brown has since signed and enrolled at Ohio State. Went to USC. He's now perhaps the most impactful transfer in the SEC. Going to play a little quarterback for Ole Miss. And then 2021, Caleb Williams comes onto the scene. Does some great things at Oklahoma. They expect Hollywood to go Hollywood at USC. And now we are in 2022, where we're talking about Quinn Ewers, perhaps leading the most talented Texas team since 2009, and being one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time, according to the rankings era. Now, 2023, we're back again with Arch Manning. Coming out of Isidore Newman, not putting up gargantuan numbers, but you can see the arm talent. You can see the intellect. And you know what kind of pedigree he comes from, if not rearing, he has had. But one of the things that 
I'm fascinated with about Arch is just how quiet his recruiting has been. Usually for a player of this caliber, let alone a quarterback, you hear a bunch, you see a bunch. There's lots to say. But his family have been very good about protecting him from the likes of the big bad media. Then they choose to speak, we choose to listen. The last time they chose to speak, May 21st, they told 247's Steve Wiltfong that they will be taking the first of three official visits in June, June 4th being Georgia, June 11th being Alabama, and then Texas gets the sweep on June 18th. However, what has been kind of interesting is Nick Saban took a 2023 quarterback since they announced that they were going to take another visit to Alabama. I should also say they have visited all these places, but you only get five official visits. And these are the ones that absolutely matter, absolutely count. And that you're taking them during the summer and say not during the season. You can read into that as well. Now, with Georgia on deck, I want to take a really good look at how Georgia fits for Arch Manning and what Arch Manning probably needs to know about Georgia, right? Start with this. Georgia's been a quarterback graveyard. It is where QB careers have gone to die. As a matter of fact, when I take a look at this, there hasn't been a 3,000-yard passer at Georgia since Aaron Murray accomplished that feat 2014, 2013, which is ridiculous when you think about this, but also that's the way that Kirby Smart has built his program, where the quarterback does not feature. The quarterback is an asset to the entire football team. While you might say, hey, RJ, didn't Georgia just set the record for the most NFL draft picks in any single year? Yeah, they did. Now, which one of those guys was a quarterback? None of them. You are also talking about a place that has washed through Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, Brock Vandergriff, and Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockner are all out there on the vine. JT Daniels came through there, got a few starts, and left. Jamie Newman didn't even start and left. And now that Stetson Bennett has decided to make his return, you have to really look at that quarterback depth chart and wonder when you're going to get your shot. Now, I would also be remiss if I didn't say, look, if you want to be a 4,000-yard passer, Georgia is not the place for you to go. Hey, RJ, didn't Georgia win the national championship? Yes, they did with defense. And the quarterback, not really good. Matter of fact, you put the ball on the carpet. Fourth quarter, down one or up one, ends up letting Alabama get the ball back, go up 18-13. Yes, they won the game, but if you have a better quarterback back there, maybe you go win it. And that's kind of what I'm looking at, right, is does Kirby Smart want a better quarterback back there? No, he wants Stetson Bennett back there. And he's made that clear. When you pick Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, you don't really care about having the best athlete and quarterback on the field. You just don't. So you get Justin Fields transferring to Ohio State, where he does lead his team to the national title game. They co- or, or they come up just a little bit short. But I also found it was really interesting that we're talking about Arch Manning at a time when Georgia could pivot, right? And it doesn't seem like they're going to. I wonder, do you want to go there and sit the bench for one, two, three years so you can play one year before you eventually go in the first round of the NFL draft. I also wonder, if you are as good as Arch Manning is, say Trevor Lawrence level, Justin Fields level, 
Wouldn't you want to start right away? I would. I wouldn't want to wait. I want to go throw the ball around. I want to throw it around all over the yard. And not that I am uninterested in competition. It's a business decision. And I kind of hate that we put it in this way because we try to make the kids into cowards and they're not. They're actually quite courageous and heroic and awesome. And they look at the landscape and say, wait a second, why do I want to take the path of most resistance when there's one of least resistance where I can achieve the same aim? For instance, if Arch ended up at Florida, who's not on the list right now, as far as we understand, of schools he is entertaining, or his uncle's Tennessee, or his daddy, uncle, and grandfather's Ole Miss, you still expect him to be able to lead that team to a college football playoff appearance and or even a national title game because he's that good. And if you are that good, you shouldn't have to sit there and wait for a while to find out if the head coach is going to give you a shot. I sincerely believe that how Kirby Smart chose to treat Justin Fields told us everything that we ever need to know about what he feels about quarterbacks, one, and two, why a quarterback probably should not be entertaining Georgia if they have an opportunity to go somewhere that is just as good i.e. Alabama, or even at this point to me, Texas. Yeah, go do that. Go have a good time. And more to this, right, why go into the SEC East? Why go to the, to, well, I guess if you went to Alabama, you would have to play Tennessee anyway. Yeah, either way, this is just bum for Tennessee. That sucks. Yeah, I just, you might have wanted to be in these sweepstakes. You probably understand if you're not. Nico's a great quarterback, but still kind of stings, but does it sting as much as it stings? For Ole Miss, I'm certain. So when he goes on his visits, if we learn something that is worth discussing on the number one ranked show, we will discuss it. We will discuss what it means and whether or not he should entertain Alabama next week. So please, uh, you're getting all the Arch Manning content that you could possibly want right here on the number one ranked show. Okay, I want to transition from this to that. Big noon. Announced its schedule for the 2022 season insofar as we understand the games. And they are outstanding. Going to go through the ones that I like the most and why I like them. Starting with Nebraska versus Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland on Saturday, October, or October, August 27th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is, I think, a really interesting spot for both of those programs. Nobody expects much of Northwestern this year. Not that most people expect a whole lot of Northwestern in most years. They end up surprising us and end up in the Big Ten championship game. And I think they kind of like it that way. Because if you have expectations that are on the floor, there's nothing to ruin the season for you, really. Meanwhile, Nebraska is up against the wall, son. Like, Scott Frost needs a great season. And I think he's got players and coaches in place that can help get them on the good foot in their first game of the season overseas, they've got Casey Thompson. They've got Chuba Purdy. They've got Trey Palmer. We'll talk more about what I think is an underrated part of their team this year as we go further into the big noon schedule. Next on the list for me is Penn State at Purdue on Thursday, September 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Big Fox. This is also going to be like the first massively huge Thursday night game of the season. I'm very excited about Sean Clifford and perhaps Nick Singleton 
in the backfield. Sean Clifford is in a prove-it year. He is 23 years old. Okay? The last dude that I thought wasn't going to be any good at that age is Kenny Pickett. Heisman finalist. Ends up being the only quarterback drafted in the first round of this year's NFL draft. Nick Singleton, though, may be the second coming of Saquon Barkley. We will see. That dude can squat an entire house. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. He's from the area. He knows what it means to play at State College. I'm excited to see how Mike Yurcich puts him in positions to succeed and what Sean Clifford looks like in year two of Mike Yurcich's system. He's also got some more assets. Like, they uh, lose Jahan Dotson, but they added Western Kentucky wide receiver Mitch Tinsley, and I expect him to go off because that's all that offense did was throw the ball all over the yard. And then they added underrated Maryland defensive end transfer Demion Robinson. That was an outstanding dude that they wanted coming out of high school, ended up in Maryland for a bit. Manny Diaz has a pretty good defense that he inherits from Brett Pry, who's the new head coach at Virginia Tech. I'm excited about that. Now on the Purdue front, for me, you got a quarterback now. When you used to have three. So let's see what you do with that. I don't understand why we're still in the spot where we don't expect Purdue to succeed. A, they're on the weaker side of the Big Ten Conference. And they will score on you, given half a chance. They're adding a pretty good tailback. I expect them to find another way to come up with a wide receiver whose name is like David Bell, for instance. And you're like, who's David Bell? And then he's like, I'll show you who I am. Watch me do this. And then we can keep going on about how Purdue shows up in big games that we don't expect them to show up to. 2018 Ohio State, anybody, right? Now, next on the schedule, I want to talk about Alabama at Texas for a brief moment. That's Saturday, September 10th at noon, big noon, on Big Fox. Now, Arch Manning has said an official visit to both of these schools. will probably know something more about his recruiting by the time this game actually kicks off. But this is going to be a very interesting, if not pivotal, game for Texas. Maybe not for Alabama. Alabama is expected to win. I think if you force most people to pick, they will tell you that Alabama's going to win by multiple touchdowns. However, your boy has been bullish on what Texas can be in 2022. And if you can beat Nick Saban and Alabama on the 40 acres, I will not be the only person saying Texas is back. I will be the person saying, I've been saying Texas is back since last May and none of y'all wanted to believe me and y'all clown me. Or we'll just clip this and we'll put it in black and white and we'll show it on a Saturday night show of the number run rate show when I was wrong. Either way, you're going to get entertained by Alabama and Texas. Okay, Oklahoma at Nebraska. That is on Saturday, September 17th on Big Fox at noon. This, for me, comes down to Brent Venables versus Mark Whipple. You'll know that Mark Whipple was the offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh last year when he had the Bolitnikoff Award winner, right, at wide receiver in Jordan Addison and Kenny Pickett throwing passes all over the yard. The team that played in New Year's Nick Six Bowl. He's since been added to this Nebraska staff and offense that I think is outstanding, right? I mentioned Casey Thompson. He gets another crack at trying to beat Oklahoma, the place that snubbed him. Remember, he played his high school football at Southmore and Newcastle in Oklahoma before eventually going, coming to Texas. Lost that game. Gets another opportunity to beat up on Oklahoma, his last opportunity, at what I think is a really great year for him to be at Nebraska because they got to win, and they got to trust him to throw the ball down the field. But 
I think the underrated aspect of Nebraska's team right now is its tailback, Anthony Grant. He could have his breakout game against Oklahoma, and we would not be able to sneeze at that as Brent Venables would be the guy who was running that defense. Grant had 1,730 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns last season. That's 7.2 yards per clip at New Mexico Military Institute. He was the NJCAA Player of the Year. He was a first-team junior college All-American. Yeah, he can go. If this name sounds familiar, he signed with Florida State back in 2018. Since went to JUCO, he's come out at Nebraska. I expect them to feed him the rock and perhaps be their first 1,000-yard rusher in uh, several years, quite honestly. Excited about Oklahoma traveling to Nebraska, where Lincoln is going to be rocking. They have been waiting for this game. And they are so looking for Scott Frost to get a big win in front of them. Okay, last game of the regular season on the big news slate that I'm excited about is Michigan at Ohio State, Saturday, November 26th on Big Fox. I just gonna, I'm gonna wax poetic about my shop right quick because my shop, Dallas, New York, Thanksgiving, Ohio State, Michigan, Thanksgiving. USA, England, Thanksgiving. We're going to have such a good time. Like, this is a great weekend for sports. And I get to be in the middle of it with this Ohio State-Michigan game. I'm excited about this one, man. Ohio State fans want Michigan for the first time in over a decade. Like, it, you, about seven years in, Ohio State fans are like, yeah, we got to beat Michigan. I mean, that's, that's a given, but they ain't no good. Well, it's actually, they have been good. They've been a nine-win team. They've been an eight-win team. They played and won the Big Ten Championship in the college football playoff last year over your dead body. I'm saying, now we get to see the blood rising in Ohio State for the first time in over a decade. Look, you could go scorch earth in this game if you are a Buckeye. C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba are going to get the green light to go at Jim Harbaugh's defense as often as they want. I would not be surprised to find out that there is no such thing as taking a knee in this game if they get a big lead. That said, Michigan is going to want Ohio State. They want to show this is not a fluke, and they want to come into your house and rob you. That's what they want to do. They want to be the knock-knock boys on your door. Coming to, hey, stick them up. We came to get what was ours, what has been ours, as we are the defending Big Ten champions. We beat you. I'm here for this. As, as, as an avid neutral in this rivalry, here for this. Like, this is, this is what I really get up for in college football. The rivalry games where I know everybody got to win. I'm so excited about Texas having to play Texas A&M in a couple of years for that matter alone. Like, I need this in my life. I need the bragging rights for a full year. Speaking of which, uh, Oklahoma, figure it out. Bedlam. What, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? We, we routinely, we destroy Oklahoma State. What are we doing here? Anyway, Pac-12 championship is also going to be on Friday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern on Big Fox. Mountain West championship earlier in the day, or excuse me, the next day on Saturday, December 3rd at 4 p.m. Eastern on Big Fox. And then the Big Ten championship game on Saturday, December 3rd, 8 p.m. on Big Fox. Had a great time at the Big Ten championship last year at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is basically a tin can that just keeps all the noise inside. It was loud. 
It was mean. It was fun. Sitting next to Devin Gardner, Braylon Edwards, my man Jeff Schwartz, chopping it up for what was a fantastic event. Very excited about the prospect of that in 2022. Okay, let's move on to our final segment of the show. That is New Faces in New Places. This is our reoccurring series in which I predict how each new coach will do in their first year in their new digs. This week, we're talking about Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly. So the question before us is, how will Marcus Freeman in year one be at Notre Dame? And we're, year one's kind of got an asterisk here, right? Because he took over the team right before the Fiesta Bowl. No pressure there. And they really did play outstanding. That was a really great game for as long as it was against Oklahoma State. Now, the schedule breakdown is uh, nasty. Nasty. All right. These are the key games on their schedule. At Ohio State on September 3rd. Out the box. Out the box. In Columbus. In Marcus Freeman's alma mater. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm here for this. At North Carolina on September 24th, which I think is a sneakily good game. As Yeah, they're going to have a new quarterback, but those dudes can go. Uh, Drake May, anybody? Then they're versus Brigham Young, which again, BYU ain't no pushover. BYU ain't no chumps. What are we going to get? We're going to get Mormons versus Catholics in this one. I'm excited about that. I can get up for that. I'm, re- I'm here for that. Kalani Sataki versus Marcus Freeman in a bench off. Put them both on bench, 225 for reps. I don't know who I'm choosing here. I don't, I don't know how many of y'all seen Kalani Sataki, but I've seen Kalani Sataki. He can still move some weight. Then we got Clemson at Notre Dame on November 5th. Boston College, which again, I think is a sneakily good game because Phil Jerkovec is back. Jeff Hapley is probably the most slept on head coach in the ACC. And then you're at USC on November 26th, for which I really think that's going to be another great measuring stick for Marcus Freeman in year one. It's like Riley's going to be in year one too. That's not an easy schedule. There's nothing about that that is easy. You got a team that played in the national championship in the last three years in Ohio State, North Carolina team that pushed everybody, including Wake, at the end, BYU, who has more or less been destroying the entire Pac-12. Say what you want, but they would have been the Pac-12 champs last year, probably the year before that, if they were in it. You got a Clemson team that won 10 games, and we called them weak. Okay, you got a Boston College team that was up 18 on said Clemson team, and we call them weak. And then we have USC, who is full of basically transfer all Americans. I will be shocked to know that they could run the table, but this is a year for which if Notre Dame ran the table, I'm the last person who's going to keep them out of the college football playoff. Normally, I'm not that guy. Normally, I'm the guy telling you Notre Dame fans to join the ACC and stop this open marriage with the ACC. Okay, just join a conference. It's fine. You don't need to be independent. We got enough of those on campus as it is. Go join a frat. Go join a sorority. Get like us because we don't want to keep treating you like this. I don't want to have to keep pointing out that you have not actually tied the knot with the ACC. Okay? I'm from Oklahoma. I want to see you make it honorable. Okay? Now. Star players for Notre Dame. Quarterback Tyler Buckner, for what they asked him to do, and I consulting producer Tyler about this, who is a Notre Dame alumnus, he's pretty good. Like I, I've seen enough of Tyler Buckner in high school to know that that dude could play football, right? 
I also understood why Jack Cohn was the guy last year. But Tyler Buckner is going to have an opportunity, I think, this year to really turn some heads in a year where they're going to need that quarterback position to be one that is mobile once again. You miss that Ian Book aspect of Notre Dame's quarterback play. And quite frankly, the reason why Ian Book ends up in that spot over a Brandon Wimbush some years ago is because he was much better when the play break broke down. Tight end Michael Meyer. Look, Mike, uh, Michael Meyer. Michael Mayer. I keep wanting to make that dude into, you know, Halloween or whatnot because that's what he is as a tight end. That's not a tight end. That's a wide receiver that's just oversized. Like, it, it's disgusting what he could do. I don't get on with the baby Gronk thing because I think that we're doing Gronk a disservice at this point. But that dude can play, and he's probably going to be his best pass-catching threat in 2022. We got it to my... Defensive end, Isaiah Foskey, safety Brandon Joseph. You know how I feel about him. I think that dude could win the Jim Thorpe Award. He was an All-American at Northwestern before choosing to transfer. I think he's going to take over that Kyle Hamilton spot where you're asking that dude to be your uh, friggin' pterodactyl playing center field. I, I don't know that Brandon Joseph is as good as Kyle Hamilton, but he would be my next pick. We'll see. And then Chris Tyree at running back. I love Chris Tyree. I know that there are lots of Notre Dame fans that don't. But Logan Diggs is out for four to six months uh, with a torn labrum surgery. You're going to have to lean on him a bit. Now, the recruits to know, linebacker Jalen Sneed, running back Jadarian Price. Price because Diggs is out. Jalen Sneed's five-star, who's probably going to be like the Wu Assassin. Remember Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa? Yeah. I missed that dude because that was like a safety plan inside linebacker, and I didn't think he was going to be able to transition well at the NFL level, I was wrong. I, to be that fast and to be a heat-seeking missile at that size, it's not common. And I really want to credit Marcus Freeman for being able to bring in another talented linebacker at a place that's been producing, let's, let's be honest about it, talented linebackers for the last 10 years. At least in my lifetime, Manti Teo, I think we got Danny Tranquil. I'm sure that producer Tyler could come in my ear and tell me a few others. Now, let's move to Brian Kelly and LSU. How will he do in year one? Look, Bayou Brian said he took the job at LSU because he wanted to beat Nick Saban. Look here. In all honesty. I want to be six foot six, 260 pounds, run a 4'4", and be bulletproof. I'm still waiting. Nick Saban. Look, man, I understand that you at LSU, and I think that's one of the best jobs in the country, if not the best job in the country. But there's a reason why a lot of people say they want to beat Nick Saban. Jimbo Fisher want to beat Nick Saban. Lane Giffen want to beat Nick Saban. Show me somebody that don't want to beat Nick Saban. Okay? And by the way, stop treating beating Nick Saban as if that means you're going to win the national championship. Because that's not what that means, dog. Like, Michigan thought that beating Ohio State meant they were going to win the national championship. That's not what that means, dog. The SEC is a monster. And the SEC West is a monster. Okay? Just going to show up there talking about, I want to beat Nick Saban. Uh-huh. While you're at it, go back to talking like you're from Massachusetts. All right? To stop all this nonsense. Schedule breakdown. You're versus Florida State on September 4th. I put that on here because you damn near lost that game. To a Florida State team I thought was going to be good, turned out to be actual bad. Okay. Tennessee, I think, is quietly going to be pretty good. 
I don't want to say it too loud because Hendon Hooker got to stay healthy. And they didn't do a good job of keeping that man upright last year. But if you can go that go-fast offense with Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker can be about it, Tennessee might be about it. We'll see. Yeah, versus Ole Miss, get Ole Miss uh, at Tiger Stadium on October 22nd. I think Ole Miss is going to hand you your head, but that's just me. You're at Alabama, or excuse me, you're versus Alabama on November 5th. You're not going to win. Come, come after me, LSU fan. You're not talented enough right now to beat up on Alabama. You don't even know who the starting quarterback is, and I'm going to get to that here in a second. Alabama not only knows who they are this year, but uh, they have the reigning Heisman winner at quarterback, and they got a little bit more filthy and healthy at running back. And now you got Pete Golding, who's loose with a defense that he knows is good. Will Anderson, stand up. Henry Tozo, stand up. Look, we'll talk about November 5th if it happens that LSU pulls off this upset. But I don't think that you running three yards in a cloud of dust as an offense is going to get it done because even Nick Saban doesn't do that anymore to get it done. You're at Arkansas on November 12th. I think they could hand you your head. And Texas A&M, who I expect wants to absolutely tear LSU in half because by that time, they're either going to be feeling themselves totally or not at all. Either way, they're going to want to take out their frustrations of being slept on or having a bad season on you, who chose to come down south, try to speak with a southern accent in front of them, who also try to speak with a southern accent, even though they're from Texas. Now, stars to know about Miles Brennan, who I think, like Sean Clifford, could have a Kenny Pickett season. We'll see. He's coming back from a, a really bad injury. Jane Daniels transfers in from Arizona State. Seven Banks, who I mentioned earlier, could be an outstanding cornerback for them. And then Noah Kane transferring from Penn State, basically back home. Noah Kane has one of my favorite recruiting stories in that before he had decided to commit to Penn State, he's in Louisiana, and he's uh, in the grocery store with his grandmama. And a dude came up to him in full Bengals gear, knew that it was Noah Kane, and said, you going to LSU? He says, I don't know. Well, you got to go to the boot. You, you're going to be a boot boy, because if it was me, I'd be a boot boy. Yo, man, I'm here with my grandmama. Can you leave us alone? I love that because in that moment, Noah Kane is quite honestly a grandson with his grandmama. And you trying to hotbox him about where he's going to be playing football while he's still in high school. This is why we tell adults don't tweet at recruits. You make us all look bad. Now, interesting additions, new enrollees, recruits to know. Linebacker Harold Perkins, who I thought was going to end up at AM, did not, ends up at LSU. He's probably going to be an immediate starter for you and an impact player. And I'm going to uh, cheat a little bit and say Matt House, defensive coordinator. The last time Matt House called defense in the SEC, his defense gave up just 16.8 points per game, allowed 186.3 passing yards per game in the SEC, created one and a half turnovers per game, and his team finished 10-3 and and ranked number 12 in the final AP poll. I will give you all the five seconds to tell me which team he was coaching for. Kentucky. He did all that at Kentucky. Now, I understand Kentucky plays some defense, and, and, and as much as I want to give this to Matt House, a lot of this has to do with a stoop brother, Mark being his first name. 
however, is Kentucky. If you can do that at Kentucky, you should be able to put the clamps on almost everybody you play at LSU. We shall see. Might be a quietly outstanding hire. Now, who's going to have the better season? I sincerely believe it's going to be Notre Dame. Okay? I could see Notre Dame winning 10 games pretty simply and easily. Ohio State, that, that doesn't even rate for me. The game that they cannot afford to lose are North Carolina, Boston College, SC, BYU. You lose to Clemson, you lose to Ohio State, we're going to let that go. I know that they don't want to let that go, but I would let that go. Meanwhile, Brian Kelly has the entire SEC West and a Florida State team that remembers him and wants his head. You're also in year one, which is to say you're about to get the full dose of the SEC fan experience. And let me tell you, they don't fight fair. There's a reason why Ed Orgeron wanted to fight dudes at UCLA because he's used to SEC fans. He don't know that the powder blue UCLA is actually, you know, powdery. I'm telling it like it is. Y'all, y'all in Westwood. I've been to Westwood. And it's not a place where you get buck. Okay? LSU is hot, humid. You got swamp crack. People fighting all the time because it's hot, it's humid. You got swamp crack. I've been out to uh, Westwood and L.A. in the summer. Nice. My skin feels good. There's a breeze coming off the water. It's enough to make you S-A-W-F-T. Just saying. You coming from Notre Dame, where you're the only thing in town, and you get this barnstorming schedule where everybody loves you, surrounded by Subway alumni. That ain't what it is in the South, okay? That ain't what it is when you go to Hattiesburg, let alone you go to Starkville. Y'all, man, you are not ready for the hospitality. Hospitality. You're going to see in Starkville, in Oxford, in Gainesville, where they can call up the head ball coach and he will run you down to anybody with a microphone. To Athens. The thing about Georgia that always interests me is that people are kind of like, yeah, we're in on the Falcons, but it's Georgia football around here. Dog, what? And then you're right over there to Tuscaloosa. Even in Birmingham, where I have spent seven weeks of the first five months of the year, it's Alabama. I have not seen a UAB fan at all. And I'm in Birmingham. Nah, man. It's got to be rude over there. I can't wait to see how you feel halfway through your first season in the SEC. So I'm going to cap the wins at LSU at six. But it's just as easily could. I can see three and nine. It's, it's in the cards. You, you also having to deal with the administration, the athletic department is in shambles. Not a great spot right now. And they're going to look at that contract that you signed, ask some questions if you don't get them to 10 wins very, very quickly. Let alone win a national championship. Because remember, the last two head coaches that lasted more than a year, and Les Miles, Ed Orgeron, they won national championships. You're going to be expected to do that. And I think you might be expecting a little too much. That's me, though. A little strong, but that's how I feel. Now, and as far as bowl games, I don't even want to get into it with LSU. because. I don't want to, let's say, um, disrespect the bowl game by putting LSU in it right now. Notre Dame, we'll see, man. Again, y'all are independents. I can never tell, you know? And I always know that the, 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 the media 
going back to the 1920s and 30s is going to try to find a way to put y'all in there just like we're going to find a way to stay Texas back. So just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And you get, you've always got the benefit of the doubt. And that way it's kind of like been Oklahoma during the college football playoff era. All things being equal, we're going to pick Notre Dame. So we shall see. All right. That is our show for today. My thanks as always to our producer, Catherine Donnelly. Thanks so much. Associate producer, Tyler Wojak. Our director is John Marcus. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our lead of screening, Rich Combe. I am your host, RJ. I'll see you next week. There's this. Oh, uh, be sure to adjust your seat backs and tray tables when you go see Top Gun Maverick. It is amazing. Thank you for humoring me as I cosplay in front of you in broad daylight. Okay, now I'm gone. Bye.